Welcome to e-commerce on steroids. Buckle your seatbelts and learn from industry pros how to take your e-commerce business to the next level. Everybody, hello. Welcome back to another episode of e-commerce on steroids. It's been a while since we published an episode and I personally apologize for that. The last couple of months have been super hectic for me and my business, but I'm back. I'm Panos, I'm your host, and let me introduce you to today's episode guest. Today's episode guest is Ben Leonard, e-commerce consultant, entrepreneur and speaker. We are discussing about his successful seven-figure exit and what it takes to succeed in e-commerce today. Ben, welcome to the show. How is everything going today, man? Hey, great to, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Everything's good. Um, I'm here in sunny Scotland. It's not too cold today. Um, life, is, uh, life is busy but fun. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to speak with you. Great. Scotland, not cold. That's a great news. <laughs> so just to kick it off, why don't you give us a little bit more information about yourself and what you were doing before starting uh, Ecom Brokers? Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, my name is Ben Leonard. Um, I, uh, I got into e-commerce accidentally um, in early 2016. So b- before e-commerce, my background uh, was not business. I had no business experience. I was an environmental scientist and uh, my job, I, I come from a city in Scotland, which is all about the, the oil industry, fossil fuels. And my job was to uh, be the, the eco nerd to help oil companies uh, get greener and stay within the environmental regulations. And it was a nice job. I enjoyed it. But um, in late 2015 or early 2016, I, I got really sick. I got really ill with a heart problem. And uh, I'm absolutely fine now. But um, for about nine months, <clears throat> I had to take a cocktail of strong drugs and um, stop all of my fitness hobbies. So no more boxing, no more CrossFit, no more running, no more lifting weights, all that fun stuff. I had to stop and rest. And my my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was very busy studying. And I needed a distraction to fill my time. And I wanted that distraction to be connected to my hobbies, even though I couldn't do them. And I remember I was, I was sadly tidying out my gym bag, looking at all my gym kit, gym equipment that I couldn't use. And I thought I could do a better job of making this. And I, at this point, I still wasn't thinking about e-commerce, but I just thought I could make a better fitness brand. And a couple years before this, I'd been training at CrossFit and we finished a, a training session. And somebody said, oh, we beasted it today. And I said, beast, we beasted it. Beast, beast, beast gear, beast gear. That would be a cool name for a fitness brand. And then I forgot all about it. But fast forward back to forward to this day, you know, 2016, feeling sorry for myself, very sick, can't train, can't do my hobbies. And uh, I had my my light bulb moment, I could make a better brand of fitness equipment and I could call it Beast Gear. And so I started this process of learning about building a brand. And of course, it being modern times, uh, the logical thing to do was to sell the products online. And I began the, the process of, of learning by doing, I guess, and my, my scientific background gave me a, an edge in that I was able to treat it like a big experiment. Uh, try something, observe it, gather the data, analyze the data, 
change it, go again. And, and it turned out I was very good at it. I eventually quit my job. I grew the business to mid seven figures and sold it in late 2019. And I'm still in e-commerce now because I love it. And uh, I'm, I'm building brands, um, not fitness brands. Um, it's not to say I wouldn't do that again in the future, but I'm still building brands this time to sell them. I mean, I sold the first brand, but I started it as a hobby, right? But now I'm actually building brands to sell them. And uh, I'm helping people sell their own brands with an e-commerce brokerage, which is called Ecom Brokers. And that's, uh, that's what I do. And here I am. Funny thing, uh, Ben, I started Ecom exactly, not, ex not ideally same thing like your situation, but I started with Ecom during one of the, maybe the, the most difficult parts of my personal life as well. And uh, I found Ecom as a way to spend my time because I, yep. you know, I was looking for something to spend my time during this time. And, uh, you know, funny thing that uh, you also got connected with the industry because of a hard time. Yeah, I, I think that happens to a lot of people. That's true, that's true. And I think due to the fact that it came up on our lives during a hard time, maybe that made the bond more, let's say, strong. I don't know. I, I feel somehow that because it yes. happened during a, a difficult time of my life, maybe that's one reason as well that I really, really love it because it kind of gave me an escape during this period of my time. I don't know if you feel the same. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, yes, A, it gave us an escape and a distraction and it, it was ours. It was something that belonged to us that we were doing and we took ownership of and we could escape into it. And I think that is true. And I think it's true for quite a lot of people, not just in e-commerce, but a lot of people make a big change in the course of their career um, because of a, 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 a big life experience. So, yeah, I agree. Back to the huge success story of uh, Beast Gear, I want to know, obviously you mentioned that you picked the needs from, uh, uh, let's say, personal interest, but uh, was that you were also sure that, uh, you know, it's something that it's really hot, let's say, on the internet that it's selling, or you said, fuck it, I like the niche, I like the product, I'm going to try and sell it. Uh, yeah, it was more, more of, of, of the, la the latter because, you know, I didn't have experience in e-commerce. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what was hot and what was selling or what was on trend. I was just like, I need something to do. I'm interested in this. I will do this. It was as I became interested in how to do it that I came to understand that, well, it just so happens that this is an excellent niche to get into because it's growing it's already popular and uh, i know quite a lot about it so for that reason um you know it was it was a great niche to get into gotcha initially back when you were starting the business did you have at least uh, an idea at a high level that you know you are building it to make an exit or it's like the, it was only the thing that you were looking for something to fill in your time and you didn't have uh, 
let's say down the line you realized oh that's something here maybe uh, you know we can turn that into a really successful business and make an exit when, when was when was the point that you said okay maybe it's a time to uh, uh, sell the business yeah D- definitely not right at the start at the start it was a hobby to keep me distracted to to possibly earn me some extra pocket money I became interested in the idea of selling in uh, pro- late 2018, so two and a half years into the business. Um, I became aware that the buying and selling of e-commerce businesses was becoming more mainstream because, you know, but even now, there are certain people who, who, who aren't interested in buying and selling e-commerce businesses because they have some historic notion that an e-commerce business uh, is, is A, too risky, or B, is not a real grown-up big boy business, which of course is nonsense. But um, I didn't start thinking about the possibility of selling until late 2018 when there were whispers around online that um, e-commerce businesses selling, whether on your own direct-to-consumer website like Shopify or on marketplaces like Amazon or both, were more and more becoming valuable assets that you could sell. And I did some very quick, rough calculations and came to realize that my business was worth a significant amount of money. And then it was early 2019 that I made the decision, okay, I need to explore this. And that's when I started to make contact with people who could help me to sell the business. Would you say that there's an ideal time for an exit? Yes. Um, It's a tricky one. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this in two parts. So part one is um, a little bit more uh, emotional, I guess. Um, when I was planning to sell or thinking about selling, uh, I received some advice. Actually, it's from my dad. He said, sell the business at the point of peak romance. And what that really means is that you're at this place in the business where it's growing, it's doing really well, and there is a romantic notion that this could be huge, this could be going places. And yet, it also might not. It could go wrong for whatever number of reasons, or not wrong, but it just might not go to the places that you're quite dreaming of. But, you know, there's there's a decent chance. And so that's the kind of uh, emotional part, right? But, but if, we, if we translate that into, it is difficult, but if we translate that into what that really means, it means this. It means your business needs to be growing, but you haven't maxed out growth. And there is some meat on the bone for a potential buyer because the buyer wants to experience that growth that accelerated even further and faster and then eventually exit themselves. So there needs to be a, a carrot on a stick, right? There needs to be something to entice the buyer to your business. But at the same time, you need to have that track record of growth and be growing at the time that you sell. It makes totally sense. It makes totally sense, Ben. Because from what you said, say, for example, you have a business and you are at, the, at its peak. If I assume that if the buyers don't see any potential for extra growth, then there is no meaning for them to buy, right? 
No one wants to buy a business that it's stagnant and there's no potential for extra growth. So the key is to not max out growth. We need to leave something for the buyer to entice them to experience the upside of taking your business forward, whether that's growing it in your existing markets or growing it internationally or whatever ambitions they have for your brand. There needs to be something to entice them. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, if you max out growth, there's nothing there for them. That Nobody wants to buy a business that has plateaued or worse is declining. I, I've spoken a lot of times with entrepreneurs who and we're help we're, and we're helping them too. Entrepreneurs who have peaked and are now in a decline and are trying to leave a sinking ship. Now, the good news is that that doesn't mean it's completely unsellable because the history of their brand in, in many cases demonstrates that it's still, it's still a good business and can be a great business again. But perhaps it, is, it has reached a point where it needs an organization with more resources and deeper pockets to take it to the next level. Um, but ideally, you want to sell before you, uh, you start that decline. Absolutely, it makes uh, totally sense to me, Ben. I mean, the idea that someone is buying, I don't think that someone, as you mentioned, someone is buying for keeping the business at the same level. I guess every entrepreneur and investor out there is buying to, you know, to even maximize the growth that is currently happening. But at the same time, I think for me as a business owner as well, uh, if you would ask me to sell right at the peak of our growth, that would be some sort of like miracle yeah it's yes it's difficult I, I, it's super difficult i mean I, yeah. I i can feel it now that i'm not there but i can feel it because it's you know, almost, and you it's put all, so it's much work to predict yeah you put so much work and then you're saying that when i'm, I'm at my best i need to to exit it's difficult but it's it, difficult but it makes sense it does make sense the good news is that you can still enjoy the future success of the of the business in in both financially because you can engineer uh, parts of the deal to reward you even more as the business continues to progress after you've sold it um, also it's possible to negotiate um, contracts which are not necessarily part of the exit but sit alongside that so for example perhaps you wish to consult with the new owners or perhaps you you still have products in your development pipeline and uh, you are the best person to develop and launch those products for the new owners. And you can negotiate a deal, and this is something that we help clients do, where you can actually enjoy a commission of the profits of those products. Um, and then you're having your cake and eating it. And of course, then there's just the, the emotional side, which is that provided you sell the business to the right buyer, and that's critical, right? It has to go to the right buyer who are the right people with the, with the capability and the resources to take your business to the next level, provided it goes to the right buyer and, and the business does achieve the success that it has the potential to achieve, you will always be the founder, right? Um, sure. Bill Gates is no longer the owner of Microsoft, but he will always be the founder. He'll always be that guy that brought um, uh, computing to the masses, right? And um, I'm not saying that anyone listening to this podcast is operating at a Bill Gates level, but you know, you get the idea. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That makes sense. Ben, I also want to speak a little bit with you, uh, more technical stuff from your uh, success. 
in terms of paid marketing. So I would love to get your take and share with us some wins, some big wins in terms of marketing strategies and, or maybe channels or something that really worked well for you guys and some losses as well when you Absolutely. were up and running the brand. Okay, so uh, lots of highs and lows and um, all, all the lo when you experience the lows, they suck. But it's important to remember that that low, A, it won't last forever, and B, that low is going to build up uh, so much energy for you to bounce back on, right? It's like coiling a spring. Imagine the low is when you're pushing the spring down, but it's then it's the rebound from the low and everything you learn from it, which, gives you, which takes you forward. But specifically to talk about paid marketing, um, many of your listeners will be uh, using platforms like Shopify uh, and many of them will also be selling on Amazon because, in my opinion, you can't not sell on Amazon now unless you have a very, very specific premium distribution model. You kind of have to be on Amazon because even if you're not selling your products on Amazon, somebody else will be because it's an open marketplace. Therefore, it's important that we think about Amazon advertising because Amazon is not a free platform, right? Although the Amazon advertising is optional, it's not really optional. It's a pay-to-play platform now. And part of a successful strategy on Amazon is using their pay-per-click advertising. And there's a couple of ways of thinking about this. And it depends on the overall strategy of your brand and what kind of brand you are and how you're using Amazon. So, for example, <coughs> for my first brand, Beast Gear, Amazon was a very important sales channel. Um, in the UK, across Europe, and in the Middle East and Australia, and we used it for driving significant revenue and, and also to create brand awareness and drive customers back to our own website. But mostly we, 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 we drove revenue on there. And therefore, my philosophy with pay-per-click advertising is for that type of brand is, is like this. Um, for each product, I am happy to break even or make a small loss on Amazon's pay-per-click because success on Amazon's pay-per-click actually drives your organic ranking. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if I have a product and in very simplistic terms, it has a profit margin of 30%, right? Yep. Cost of the product minus the cogs, profits 30%, okay? And, and we're, we're, I'm giving a very simplistic view for the purpose of this. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to spend that 30% on acquiring the customer. In other words, my, my average cost of sale, my ACOS, I'm happy to make that 30%. Over time, probably, I'll be able to optimize that to have a, an ACOS that's less than 30%, which means I'm making money. But when suppose I'm selling a dog collar. If somebody searches Amazon for a dog collar, they see my ad at the top of the listings. They click on it and they buy it. And that click cost me more, slightly more than my profit margin. I've made a small loss on that. But when they bought it, Amazon's algorithm knows that my product is very relevant for dog collars. So not only is it going to show my ad again, but it's going to boost my organic ranking for the same search term. So my organic sales are going to go up. So a better metric than ACOS is actually TACOS, which is your total average cost of sale, which is where we look at the cost of your advertising, but not just against your sales made through the advertising, but your total sales. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely, so, because, you know, as you said, it's not only that you pay once and you acquire the customer that you paid for, but it's the byproduct that you are getting organic reach and, and awareness, which is actually free. Yeah. And this is where you make your money. Yep. yep. Completely. Uh, and just uh, on, on that, it, suppose that you've got, Suppose your Amazon strategy is you're less worried about generating tons of revenue on Amazon. I mean, it's important, obviously. But suppose you're the type of brand which is uh, using Amazon to acquire customers and move them into your own off-Amazon presence. Like you're a much bigger household name brand, for example. You might be less interested in what your ACOS or your TACOS is. And you're seeing, your view, you view Amazon, your philosophy on Amazon is just that it's more of a, a brand awareness and customer acquisition tool. Then you won't necessarily care too much about your, your ACOS and your TACOS. And you'll just be interested in assigning a particular budget to your advertising. In which case, it's for the individual brand to consider your mix of advertising and your mix of revenue generation platforms and, you know, it could be that overall your marketing budget is 7 or 8% of your gross revenue, 10 or 12% of your net revenue, and that Amazon is going to make up X percent of that. And you're going to just have to play around with that. But I think a good starting point is at least to try to break even or make a small loss per product on your Amazon advertising. Gotcha. So marketplaces did work well for you, Ben. Give us a, a, a big L. Yeah, marketplaces are absolutely vital. You know, um, we can't ignore them. Amazon is in the U.S. Amazon is responsible for fifty percent of all e-commerce um, sales, and you know, not just Amazon, any marketplace. Okay, because of course there's still plenty of the world where Amazon hasn't reached yet. <clears throat> but if we ignore marketplaces, we do so at our peril because even for household name brands, I consult with various household name brands now, right? And a significant proportion of second purchase by anyone for any product is online. So what I mean by that is somebody buys your product in a retail store, in a, in a physical shop. And now they're, they're aware of your brand, obviously. They're aware of your product. They either want to buy your product again or buy another product from your brand. A huge proportion of them are going to buy it online. That's and they're true. either going to buy it from your direct-to-consumer website or a marketplace. And remember that a huge proportion of them will have prime subscriptions for Amazon. And so if they go onto Amazon to search for your product that they've already bought, bought in a store and it's not there, it's weird. what are they going to see? What are they going to see in the search results? They're going to see all your competitors. So now they have a choice. They either open a new tab and go find your website and buy your product there, or they buy your competitor, competitor's product that's going to do the same job and they're going to get it free delivery the next day. So you need to be on marketplaces. Even, even if you hate the idea, we just all have to accept that marketplaces are here, they're not going away, and they need to form a part of your strategy. I agree. And I'm getting pissed a little bit with some merchants that they... Uh, they complain about the commissions and why do marketplaces are getting paid and I'm like yep. why shouldn't they I mean 
they are bringing you customers. You should. Yes. You, you, yeah, you, they would be paying this money on marketing, either way. Yeah, exactly. They, I'm absolutely. I'm more than happy to pay a commission to a marketplace because they do all the work to bring in all the eyeballs in shopping mode that are ready to click buy now on my product. And actually, you know, in the category I was selling in, and I'm about to, to be selling again, uh, I was giving a 15% commission to Amazon and then also giving them a fulfillment fee. It was an absolutely fantastic bargain. I didn't have to worry other than optimizing my, my Amazon pay-per-click. And sure, I have off Amazon marketing too, obviously, but I didn't have to do very much to market my Amazon product, my products on Amazon. Amazon did it for me. Why would I not want to, 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 to do that? Absolutely makes sense. I'm with you 100%. Something that didn't work for you, Ben? Something that didn't work. I found influencer marketing very tough. Um, paid posting to begin with was poor. Uh, I found a lot of influencers would take my money, take my product, and either do nothing or do the bare minimum with no passion. And what actually worked a lot better was using real customer generated content and relational marketing. So building relationships with my customers worked a treat. So I was fortunate that my business, Beast Gear Fitness Brand, um, lends itself very, very well to visual platforms like Instagram. So regardless of whether somebody bought my product on say Amazon or my own website, which was built on Shopify, in the follow-up email with the product would be attached a PDF and included with the product would be a paper booklet. And in both of these, we would encourage the customer to post a picture of himself or a video with the product on Instagram. And actually we incentivized it as well because we said, if you do this, we'll enter you into a monthly draw to win some, some more stuff. But we didn't really need to incentivize it because people love to post pictures of themselves with their fitness product. So just imagine for a moment, You've just bought a new pair of weightlifting straps from my brand. You're really excited. You go to the gym, you use them, and you have a great workout. And you post a picture of yourself with them. Maybe you've just done a personal best deadlift. You post a picture of yourself and you tag my brand. And very quickly afterwards, the brand that you tagged, in this case my brand, comments on your post and DMs you. That's good. Yeah, it gets better. And in the DMs, not only do they talk to you, they actually show an interest in your life. They've clicked on your profile, taken 30 seconds to scan your last few pictures, noticed where you live, and they've sent you, they've started a conversation with you, actually saying, hey, Panos, uh, you know, I saw, I saw your, your deadlift uh, with our lifting straps. I'm so glad you love them. And actually, I saw your post from two weeks ago where you, you lifted, lifted your squat personal best. Congratulations. That was a great workout. I also noticed you're in Athens. I, I visited Athens three years ago and I loved it. What a beautiful city. Have a great day. Your mind is blown, right? That, that brand has just paid you personal attention. And people post on Instagram because they crave attention. And now you feel a sense of reciprocity towards the brand. And you're maybe going to have a short conversation, which is going to end up with uh, the brand offering you a discount. Hey, Panos, while, while I'm here, since you're so cool, would you like 15% off on my website? Just head over there. So now I've made you into a, a fan of my brand for life. I acquired you as a customer on Amazon, but I've just driven you to my website where I'm going to get your email address and I can now remarket to you. 
And also I'll get you in my chatbot. And you feel a real sense of reciprocity towards my brand. So I'll back off for a moment or two. And then I'll say, hey, Panos, by the way, where did you buy my product? And you say, oh, I got it on Amazon. And I say, you know what? Could you do me a favor? Would you just mind taking two minutes just to head over to your Amazon account and, and, and leave a quick review? And of course you're going to do it because you feel reciprocity towards my brand. You don't get that with Nike or Adidas or Reebok. And people listening to this will be screaming, saying, but Ben, of course you don't get that with Nike or Adidas or Reebok. They can't possibly do that at scale. Actually, they could. They could. In, in these modern times with the tools and the resources we have, they could. And I used to do that myself. And then, of course, it became unsustainable for me to do that because I was wanting to work on the business and not in the business and build a vision for my brand. So I, I sourced, outsourced it to freelancers and I had a team of freelancers doing that and they did a great job of it. And so I could do it at scale. I, my, my business was turning over mid seven figures and we were doing that to every single customer. And that was way more effective to come back to the whole purpose of your first question than influencer marketing. I'm going to use uh, a phrase from Gary Vaynerchuk, who I really admire. It's yeah. that's scaling the unscalable. Yes, it's true. And it's, it's a classic from the jab, 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 right hook. You're giving, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, and then you're asking, right? I'm paying attention to them. I'm showing interest in their life, empathy for them. I'm giving them uh, a discount and then I'm asking for the review. And now that person's going to post about me all the time. So now they, they are an influencer now. And also, I'm probably going to ask them if I can repost their picture. So I don't need influence anymore. Influencers. Lo loved it. Loved it, Ben. Uh, I'm sure that you guys, while building the brand, and you personally, had a lot of challenges. Mm. I want to get your biggest one. What was the biggest challenge while building the brand? It, was it product development? Was it marketing? Was it sales? Was it team? What was it? I'll give you a really specific one. Uh, somebody tried to sue me out of existence. Um, I, uh, I developed a product. Uh, people can look it up if they want. It's called Beast Grips. It's a, it's a barbell adapter. It is a, a, it's a device which makes the barbell thicker and therefore more difficult to lift. So it adds an extra challenge to your workout. And until I developed my product, there was really no one else competing with one other product on the market which performed the same function. But the problem with this other product was twofold. One, it wasn't actually that good. The design wasn't good enough, which is why I made mine. I made mine better in several ways. And two, it was overpriced. Like for what it cost to make, they were, they were ripping people off. And so I made a better version. And when I made my better version, I was smart. I had my design protected with something called a design registration, which is a bit like for US listeners is a bit like a patent. And I investigated to make sure that I wasn't infringing on anybody else's intellectual property, including this main competitor who'd been unchallenged in this space for probably about 10 years. And so my product being better and cheaper uh, became the leader. And this other product was owned by a huge North American organization. And they knew that I was one guy on a laptop in my spare room. And they sent me letters threatening to sue me and telling me to cease and desist and to pay them lots of money. 
And not only did they send me the letters, they did it in German. Uh, and I'm not German. And the reason they did it in German, despite the fact that they were from the north of, uh, they were from North America, was because I was selling in Germany. I was selling all across Europe. They knew they could just do it in any of the countries I was selling in. So they chose Germany to make my life really difficult. And they had my product suspended on Amazon. So I was losing sales. And you, I could tell from their letters that they had experience of doing this before. They believed that they could threaten a small business with big, uh, scary numbers and make me go away. But because I'd taken the steps to protect myself first, I went straight to my intellectual property attorney who'd registered my registered design. And we spent a few weeks doing our, our groundwork. And we were sure that my product, first of all, was not infringing on their intellectual property. But we did some more digging. We found out something hilarious. That original product, which, which tried to sue me, it was originally started by an entrepreneur just like me. And it had been acquired by this big company that was now trying to sue me. And when that big company acquired it from the little guy, they acquired its, the patent or the patent. But the patent for the product, when it was put together, it was put together quite cheaply by this small-time entrepreneur. And it wasn't very good. The drawings in the pattern, patent were poor. So poor, in fact, they didn't even protect their own product. So we had my, my design attorney contacted them and basically said, uh, you need to reinstate Ben's product on Amazon. And you need to pay Ben uh, the fees or this back for the sales that he's lost over the last I don't know, three weeks. My product was down. And if you don't do this, we're going to actually go to court and invalidate your patent, which will mean suddenly this market opens up and tons of people are going to come and copy you. And straight straight offense. Sorry, straight, straight offense. Yeah, we, 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 I turned the, t we, the tables were turned. And so it was straight. It was, it was David versus Goliath. And so unfortunately, they did not pay me back for the lost sales and they didn't pay my legal fees. It cost me the whole thing cost me about 20,000 pounds. But the good news is I got my product reinstated and I never heard from them ever again. But that was a very scary time. You can imagine that for about a month, my blood pressure was through the roof, right? And But the, the moral of the story that I want everyone listening to this to take home is have your intellectual property protected. Before you launch any product, make sure that you are not infringing on anyone else's intellectual property. And if there is any gray area, have it looked at by a really, 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 really skilled intellectual property attorney. And the same goes for trademarks. I see it all the time in the forums, e-commerce forums. People saying, I need a trademark, how can I do it? And I reply, if I can be bothered, I reply saying, get an excellent trademark attorney to do it. And they reply saying, or somebody else replies saying, no, don't do that. You can do it yourself for a few hundred pounds or a few hundred euros, which is a big mistake. I made that mistake and people can actually look up my mistake for themselves if they want to. If they go to the UK Intellectual Property Office website, which is ipo.gov or maybe ipo.gov.uk and you search for Beast Gear, you will see the trademarks that I submitted myself in 2016. And you will see the same trademarks, exactly the same, resubmitted one year later by a good intellectual property attorney. And you can look at the difference in terms of the depth and breadth of the protection that I got from the trademarks. 
People say, oh, I did my trademark myself. It cost me $200. Well, that's wonderful, but your trademark probably doesn't very, really properly protect you because you didn't have it done by a properly skilled intellectual property attorney. So please make sure your intellectual property is done by, by, by a professional. That's a huge lesson for everyone listening because I think uh, whoever starts a new brand, they don't, I don't think that they even consider the fact that maybe they're going to get so big that other bigger companies will try to compete and try to yes. turn them off. They don't think about it. They think, okay, let's just put it out and see how it goes. But then yep, look what can happen. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, huge lesson, Ben. Last question for today, Ben. Uh, cool, let's do it. Outside of Marketplace, which I, we understood that uh, you are an advocate, Uh, and uh, you explain the reasons and they do make sense and I completely agree. Do you see any untapped uh, marketing opportunities for like new e-commerce brands starting out today, let's say? Un untapped is difficult because the moment something new comes out, so many people jump on it. Um, for instance, people are still talking about TikTok as if it's new, but, but it's not new anymore. But certainly TikTok marketing is 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 going to be very important but here's not not so much an untapped channel but something that I, i i i would encourage people to pay attention to which is this when i had the opportunity to take beast gear from the uk and roll it out across quite a lot of western europe france germany italy spain um a little bit of poland and czech republic which isn't very west but you, you get the idea my sales pretty much doubled overnight okay but now We're, we're seeing marketplaces, and not just marketplaces, but we're seeing marketplaces and logistics and opportunities spread further east and south all the time. So here's, here's the lesson. If you're already in Europe, pay attention to what's going on eastwards and southwards. Amazon's now in Poland. It won't be long before they're pushing south and further east. Look at the, 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 the Balkan states, right? These are, there's a lot of people there. And logistics are getting better there and internet connectivity is getting better there and they know that we in the west of europe and in north america can get stuff overnight and they want it too and it's coming so pay attention to what's going on there and then the lesson if you're in north america or anywhere else in the world for that matter is get into europe because once you're in europe amazon's pan eu system will move your stock all over Europe. And if you, even if you're not selling on Amazon, right, using your own website, the logistical networks across Europe are enormous. So, you know, that was a big part of how I scaled my business was I didn't, after I had my core suite of products, I, yes, I, did, I kept adding to them, but the easiest way to scale my business was just find more people. And how did I find more people? I just went into more markets. So if you're a company now selling in Germany, start selling in France, start selling in Spain, start selling in Italy or whatever. Pay attention to that. And as the moment new opportunities come, jump on them. Like I was one of the first people in Amazon Australia. I was one of the first people in Amazon Saudi Arabia. Be one of the first people in Poland. Be one of the first people as uh, other opportunities emerge uh, in, in the east and south of Europe. Ben, thank you so much. It was great having you on today. We enjoyed. Thank you again. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me.
We hope our podcast inspired you. Join our Facebook group Shopify Q&A for more great e-commerce and Shopify tips.